God bless you. Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and open up to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. A few weeks ago, I went on my pastoral retreat and spent some time away with the Lord. I want to thank you, those who prayed, and it uh, went very well. It was probably the most productive of all the ones that I've ever been on, and so I'm thankful for that. And uh, God confirmed some things in my heart, and so thank you for praying. And it's good to be able to preach on a Sunday morning to you. I haven't preached for some time on a Sunday morning to you. I encourage you that uh, on Wednesday evenings, we're going through the book of the Revelation. Uh, we just finished up chapters 1 through 7. I did a review of that this past Wednesday night. We're starting Revelation chapter 8 come this Wednesday. And uh, I'd encourage you to be able to be there for that. And if you're not in a connect group, I would encourage you to get in that connect group uh, on Sunday mornings. Uh, I believe that you'll be able to uh, grow in the Lord in that area as well. Matthew chapter 21, we're going to take a look at verse 28. Jesus has just uh, made his triumphal entry, then he left the city, he's back into the city, and now he's talking to um, the, the group of Pharisees and religious leaders there. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 28, the Bible says, but what think ye? He's saying, what do you think about this? A certain man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the, father, uh, did the will of his father? They say unto him, the first. Jesus saith unto them, verily, verily, I say unto you, that the publicans and harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came unto you in the way of righteousness, and ye believed him not. But the publicans and harlots believed him, and ye, when ye had seen it, repented not afterwards that ye might believe him. Here another parable. There was a certain householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a winepress in it and built a tower and let it out to a husbandman and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent a servant to the husbandman that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husband took his servants and beat one and killed another and stoned another. And again, he, meaning the householder, the owner, sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance." And they caught him, the son, and cast him out, the son of the vineyard, and slew him, meaning the son. And when the Lord of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto another husbandman, which shall render him the fruits in their season. Jesus saith unto them, did ye never read in the scriptures the stone which the builders rejected, the same as become the head of the corner? This is the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation, bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees heard this parable, they perceived that he speak of them. But when they sought to lay hands on, them, on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king which made a marriage for his son and sought forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. 
and they would not come. And again he sent forth other servants, saying, Tell them which are bidden, Behold, I have prepared my dinner, my oxen and my fatlings are killed, and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was wroth. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, The wedding is ready. But they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as ye shall find, bid them to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good, and the wedding was furnished with guests. And when the king came in to see the guest, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to his servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to be here this morning and I pray that you would use this time in our life, to help us become better Christians. Lord, I pray that you would fill me once again with your Holy Spirit and that you would use me. Lord, I ask that if there are those here this morning that do not know you, that they would come to know you as their own personal Savior. Lord, I pray that you would give to each one of us what we need spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and physically this morning so that we can be better Christians. Father, I pray that this church would not just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers. I pray that we would just not sit and soak, but that we would serve. And Father, I want to thank you in advance for what you're going to do because your word does not return void. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I've entitled this message, When Jesus Rejects. We often don't think of Jesus rejecting. We often think about Jesus as accepting. And Jesus is accepting. But in this portion of Scripture, we see where Jesus rejects. And he's rejecting these people because they have rejected him. Many times in life, we'll go through life and we will, we will be rejected in one way or another. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. You see that girl when you were in high school and you see her and, and, and you're like, man, she's just beautiful. When she walks down the hallway of that school, there's this, there's this glow about her. You know, there's this aura and you're thinking, man, I would like to go out with her. But, you know, she's beautiful and you're pimpled faced and... You know, you, you usually don't wear matching outfits. You're just, you know, you're an awkward 14-year-old guy. But you get the nerve up. I mean, the, there's a banquet coming up or something. You get the nerve up and you go up to her and you say, Gertrude. Would you like to go to the banquet with me? And she looks at you, 
with this huge smile on her face. And she goes, drop dead. You've been rejected. Doesn't feel too good. None of us likes to be rejected by anybody. It's one thing to be rejected by a human being. It's another thing to be rejected by Almighty God. And if you and I are not careful, if we don't take what the Scripture is trying to teach us here and apply it to our lives, we can miss out on what God wants for us. See, really, this portion of Scripture, it's talking about the grace of God. We see it here over and over again. Matter of fact, there's another theme here. We also see the authority of God in this portion of Scripture. But what we find in this portion of Scripture is that Jesus Christ, over and over again, through these parables, is extending His grace to the nation of Israel, but they continually reject Him. See, this is, you can sum up the whole message in this sentence. Don't reject the grace of God, or the God of grace will reject you. Don't reject the grace of God, or the God of grace will reject you. See, when we reject the, the grace of God, it, it keeps us from experiencing grace. And if we're not careful... We're going to live a life of regret. See, it's impossible, to, it's impossible to reject God's grace and experience God's grace at the same time. And see, the reason many times that we don't want to experience God, we don't experience God's grace is here it is. The overarching theme is because we're not willing to place ourselves underneath his authority. And you can only experience God's grace when you place yourself underneath his authority. And these religious leaders were not willing to do that. See, God takes the rejection of his grace very seriously. And what we find in this passage, we find something, as I was looking at this passage, I was thinking, okay, what does this passage teach me about God? Well, it teaches me that God is abounding in grace. That he wants and he continues, he continually extends grace. I mean, but think about it on human terms. If you had, if you had, uh, um, you knew that somebody was in debt maybe for $5,000 and you had $5,000 cash and you kept going up to this person saying, here's $5,000, uh, I want to give you this $5,000 so that, that way you can get out of debt uh, uh, but you just, you just have to take this $5,000 and they continually spurned you and continue to say, no, I'm going to do it my way. No, I'm going to do it my way. No, I'm going to do it my way. What's going to happen after a while? You're going to say, I'm done. And what happens many times, if we're not willing to subject ourselves to the authority of God in our life and he wants to extend grace to us, he'll eventually let us do it our way. See, and I, I, would, I would dare say that all of us want to experience grace, but there's really some attitudes in, in our life that we're, if we're not careful, it will keep us from experiencing grace. And Jesus, in this passage of Scripture, he unveils for us 
the attitudes of these religious leaders that will keep us from experiencing grace. And instead of experiencing grace, they ended up losing all that they had. A couple weeks ago, I was in Lancaster, PA with my wife enjoying a day off and I was sitting on a bench watching people. I, that's, that is a great hobby. Yeah, I love doing that. I just like to watch people. And uh, I was sitting on a bench and I was watching this man and uh, he, he was wandering around. He, he, he was, he was uh, and, then, and then he was looking around and he'd go here and I'm just watching this guy. He's going all around this area here. And at first, I didn't understand why he looked so bothered. But then as I came to, to, to continue to watch him, I found out that he had lost his family. And I noticed, I mean, I'm sitting in, a, I'm sitting in this bench and probably right where that uh, plant is, that planter, there's a lady and her daughter, they're right there, and, I'm, I, and he walks up to them and he says, can I borrow your phone? I've lost my family and I need to, to see if I can get in touch with them. So she allowed him to do so and he called his family and they didn't pick up and he left a message. The lady was very happy to help the man. You know, she just wanted to do something kind for the man. And as she was getting her phone back, the guy started digging for his wallet and tried to pay her. She's like, no, 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 no. I, I don't want your money. It was just, I just wanted to be able to do something nice for you to be able to, to help you out. Instead, this is exactly what this man did. He took the money out of his wallet. She's standing there. He's standing here. He throws it at her and turns around and walks away. I thought to myself, this man could have experienced grace, but instead it cost him something. If we're not careful... We do the same thing to God. He wants to extend grace to us, but we want to live life on our own terms and our own way and do it our way. And it's like we've taken a couple dollars and said, hey, God, I I've got this. There you go. Thanks for letting me make the phone call, but I'm good. See, a few dollars isn't a whole lot in the scheme of things, but the point is that it cost him. And the message that Jesus is giving us today is don't reject the grace of God or the God of grace will reject you. What are the attitudes that will keep you from God's grace? Number one, I want you to take a look. And we find this in verses 28 through 32. Pride will keep you from the grace of God. Pride will keep you from God's grace. I want you, if you're taking notes there, you can write this down. Letter A, a relationship. If you look in verses 28 through uh, 32, you'll find that there was a family. It said a man had two sons. There's this family relationship. There's this love that's supposed to take place, right? You have a, a dad with two sons, and, and there's love between these two parties. The family relationship is based upon this, uh, the aspect that this father had given them life. He had brought two sons into the world. This is what creation is all about, right? This relationship. We have a relationship with God in that we are his creation. Now, not everybody is God's child, but everybody is God's creation. He has given life to all things, and he continually sustains all things. 
Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 and 17 says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. So in some respects, every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl has a relationship in that respect that God is their creator. The problem is today we've been taught that you're not a creation, you're an evolution. You were once this blob, and then this blob had a tail, and, and, and then after a while, millions and millions of years, it, it grew uh, uh, two eyeballs, and, and uh, then it, it grew two arms and two legs, and then it became a congressman. Oh, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I should have said a liar. I mean a lawyer. <laughs> But that's what we've been taught. The Bible doesn't teach that. Let me tell you what the Bible teaches. The Bible says that there is one flesh for birds of the air and cattle, and there's another flesh of men. The Bible says that we were made in the image of God. That's what the Bible says. And so for everyone here, we do have some type of relationship with God, and we ought to recognize that relationship and honor him for that. But too many times, man does not want to subject themselves to realizing that they have a creator. Why? Because if you have a creator, then you must submit yourself to what the creator says. Their pride keeps them from experiencing the grace of God. And it's on this basis of the relationship that this father asked his two sons to go into the field and work for him. The father wanted the sons to be able to work immediately, but something happened. Not only was there relationship, but I see here that pride will keep you from the grace of God because they didn't understand. One of them didn't understand the relationship. But then we see letter B, there is a rejection and repentance in verse 29. Take a look at verse 29, if you would, with me. And he answered and said, I will not go. But afterward, he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. These two sons represent two groups of people. The religious elite, that's us, the religious. And then the other group are the publicans and the harlots. That's the tax collectors. That would be the modern day IRS, if you will, and prostitutes, right? That's what the scripture says. So we would consider them, they would be considered in that day the sinners, they were the lowest of the low. They were the outcast. And so both these sons represent those two groups. The one son who represented the tax collectors and the, the prostitutes straight up refused. He said, his dad asked him, he said, no, I'm living in my sin. And that's, that's the idea. You share the gospel with somebody like that. They say, no, I'm not going to go. They were blunt. They were rude. They had no respect for the father or relationship that they had with him. They had no respect that he had given them life and brought them into this world. They resisted the father straight to his face. And this was really totally uncharacteristic for a son in the first century. To refuse what his father asked him to do, Jesus is making a very strong point here. You wouldn't see, it's not like today, modern America where the kids 
rule the family instead of the parents ruling the family. Where when mom and dad ask something, if the kids don't like it, they look at them and say, no. We had a good cure for that at our house. We had a couple if something didn't work. We found out at first that our girls like spicy stuff. We didn't realize that, so we stick your tongue out. We put pepper on it. They're like, can we have more? Oh, okay. Well, that didn't work. What we did find out, though, is that ivory soap, you know, the bar, stick your tongue out. And then you get it caught on your teeth, you know, when mom's pulling it back out. You don't tell mom and dad, no. And if that didn't work, we always applied the board of, uh, the, the board of, uh, of education to the seat of knowledge. But in first century Palestine, you didn't have a son that would tell the father no. That was just totally, totally unheard of. Just didn't do that. And so for Jesus to say that this son said no was a shock to his audience. But after the rejection, the son repented of what he said and went into the field. You know what I believe caused the son to repent? It's what he knew about his father. See, he knew that his father was gracious and kind. He knew that his father loved him. It was the grace of the Father that changed the thoughts and actions of this man. You say, well, wait a second. Where do you see the grace of the Father here? After the rejection, the Father had every right to throw his son out. But he didn't. It was the grace of the Father that caused the son to do what was right. See, there was a rejection, but there was repentance. But I want you to see... That pride will keep you from the grace of God because you don't understand the relationship. Pride will keep you from the grace of God if you reject and not repent. Pride will keep you from the grace of God. Take a look at letter C. There was a promise but no performance. Take a look at verse 30. And he came to the second and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. The next son represents the religious community. It's us. Here we go, church. This is us. We look good, we sound good, we smell good. I mean, we're all good. And the father asked the second son to go. As a matter of fact, he asked him the same way that he asked the first son to go. And this son answered very respectfully. Yes, sir. Right away, sir. No problem, sir. Aye, aye, sir. Whatever you say, however you want it done, I mean... He knew. He knew when to say amen. He knew when to shout. He, he knew when to pray. He knew how to pray. Oh, he knew all those. He knew how to make sure that he was dressed appropriately for all things. And I mean, he had his standards in line. They had all the laws and he was just tip-top shape up. I mean, if there was anybody that would do the will of the Father and be able to enjoy the grace, it would be these religious people. But there was a promise and no performance. See, he really treated the father the way he should be treated. At least on the outside. 
The problem was that he didn't do what he said he would do. He made a promise, but he didn't perform. You know what I'm talking about? Dear God, please, if you allow this to pass, I will do. And then after about two weeks, it... God, I promise, if you get us out of this, I will. See, in the kingdom of God, listen, in the kingdom of God, performance is more important than promise. One can profess a great deal about religion and about their experiences and about their religious life, but if there is no performance, there is no real faith. And the problem with Christianity today, why we're not experiencing the grace of God, is because we make a lot of promises to God, but we're not willing to subject ourselves and do what God has asked us to do, to perform. Be more than just hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. And it's our pride that will keep, well, I just can't. I want you to see the result of this. Letter D, there's self-condemnation and sacrificing of grace. The self-condemnation, pride will keep you from God's grace. There is self-condemnation and sacrificing grace. Jesus asked these religious leaders, who did the will of the Father? He says, first off, he starts off, what do you think about this? And let me give you this story here. And he, he lays out this parable for him. And then he looks at these religious leaders and says, now who did the will of the Father? And they answered that it was the first group, the group that represented the tax collectors, the group that represented the prostitutes. It was that group, the group that was most hated, people of that time in that society. And a matter of fact, those religious leaders didn't want anything to do with that type of people. The other day when I was away, I was at a uh, coffee shop doing some work and I was grabbing a coffee. And this lady walked in. She had long, dark hair and it was, there was stuff stuck in her hair and it was matted. She had some slides on, some flip-flops. Her clothes were totally disheveled. I saw she had got out of the car I opened the door for her as she walked in, trying to be a gentleman, and she walked in and thanked me. But she looked like she'd had a really hard life. I looked down, she had on her, she had those slides, like those Adidas slides, you know what I'm talking about. They're sort of like flip-flops, but they don't have any, like, piece of plastic in the middle, so it just slid on. She had a sock on the one, and the other one, her, she, she just didn't have anything on. And I looked down, and her feet were filthy. And I didn't know what was going on with her. And I, I looked at her and the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, this is the kind of people that Jesus hung out with. The other day I went on a date with another woman and went to Wendy's. You get it? The date, Wendy's, Wendy's. Oh, man. I thought that that was pretty good, you know. You know, my other girlfriend, Wendy's, they have hamburgers there. I would never go on a date with another. Oh, man. You guys got, look, I am throwing these, 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 ex, uh, the, the, these things of knowledge out to you folks, and you're just missing them. 
You're missing them. You, you, oh, that's too far over your head. I understand. I need to... I need, anyway, I was at Wendy's. And I was eating a healthy, non-GMO, uh, non-modified <laughs> double cheeseburger <laughs> with some potatoes that happened to fall into oil. Um, but I ate them anyway. I, I mean, I ate them anyway. Um, and I was sitting there, and I looked out the window. I saw this man. He just, and he, you could tell he wasn't right. First thought that came to my mind is like, that's the kind of people that Jesus hung out with. Because nobody wanted to be around them. Nobody, you wouldn't want to be too close to that lady because you're, well, you know, if I, I might get dirty. I mean, you know. I mean, as I was looking at that man, I was thinking, man, I wish he wasn't leaving. I, maybe I should go get him and ask him if he needs something for lunch. You see, these religious leaders who didn't want to do anything with those people that everybody else rejected, Jesus said that they're the ones who are getting into the kingdom. See, it was through their answer that they condemned themselves. See, the rejection of God's grace was so great by these religious leaders that even when, now listen, that even when they saw the lives changed in these people, they refused to believe the message. That's how great their pride was. They would rather stay in their pride than humble themselves and then to be associated with the lowest of low. And your pride and my pride will keep us from experiencing the grace of God on a daily basis. And if we reject the grace of God, the God of grace will reject us. Really, that has to do with salvation. And that's what he's getting at. But what happened is they sacrificed grace in their life. All because they were not willing to identify and submit to the authority of God in their life. Hmm. Can you imagine how hard-hearted you have to be to see people who have, have had their life changed by the gospel but still refuse to submit and experience God's grace. No wonder, no wonder why God will reject them. And he did. He did, he said, you're not getting into the kingdom all because they were not willing to submit themselves to the authority of God and experience His grace. Now, again, the rejection of God's grace, eventually the God of grace will reject you. That has to do with salvation. I understand that. 
But I wonder now, let's just take it from the aspect of salvation and apply it to, because the majority of folks in here know Christ as their personal Savior. Now, I wonder how many of us don't experience the grace of God on a daily basis because we are not willing to submit to the authority of God in, their li- in our life. See, Jesus said that, you know what, basically, if you look in other portions of Scripture, you find that Jesus said, you know what, if you would just submit yourself, at, at just like the publicans and the harlots did, to be able to accept my grace, if you would have submit yourself and not be so prideful and stand in your religiosity, then you're going to be able to experience my grace. But I wonder how many of us who already know Christ have experienced the, the grace of God in our life, that God wants to extend grace to us, but we're not willing to continually submit ourselves under, uh, to his authority, and we miss out on the grace of God, and we do life on our own, and we wonder why we are struggling. The reason why we're struggling is because we're not experiencing God's grace. Well, why am I not experiencing God's grace? Because I've not submitted myself to his authority. And God plainly tells us pride. Pride will keep you from God's grace. The Bible plainly tells us that it is your pride that will keep you from God's grace. How does he say it? If we don't humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God, we don't submit to his authority, but if we are proud, the Bible says that he will resist us. He resists. Rejection has to do with salvation, okay? When I said that if you reject the grace of God, the God of grace will reject you, that ultimately has to do with salvation, okay? So God will not reject us per se, when it comes to our eternal destiny. But God does resist us if we've got pride in our life and not willing to submit to his authority in our life. Over and over again in this passage, you will see where God continually shows his grace. Let me take you back very quickly. All right. Let me take you back very quickly and think about the nation of Israel. How many prophets did God have to send over and over to the nation of Israel? Come back to me. Come back to me. I would, I would care for you. I loved I brought you up when you were nothing. I, I took care. You were laying on the side of a road like a little baby all in its own blood, and I cared for you. I cleaned you up. I've nourished you. I brought you up, but you continually reject me. It wasn't the first time God said no. It wasn't the second time God said no because you rejected me. The nation of Israel over and over and over and over and over again continually rejected God. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, made under the law. Then God said, I'm going to send my son. And you see it in these parables here. I'm going to send my son. He sends his son. And then the ultimate rejection of Jesus Christ takes place. They crucify him on the cross. You are not the Messiah. You are a false Messiah. You're just a heretic. And I want you to understand that the same grace of God that continually reaches out for us in salvation is the same grace of God that continually reaches out to us on a daily basis and he wants us to experience it, but the only way that we can experience it is submit to the Father's will. 
go into my field. Go into my field. No, sir, I'm not going. You ever do that? You know what I'm talking about. Holy Spirit prompts your heart to do something. And you're like, no, I just can't. You need to be kind to that person. Oh, I just can't. You don't understand. You don't understand. I mean, they don't just rub me the wrong way. They rub me all over the wrong way. I mean, they're so bad, I don't even have hair on the back of my neck or the top of my head. But it raises up when I see them. And you know, Holy Spirit says, you need to be kind to them. Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. You say, no, God, I can't. And you, you walk on by that person. You, no. And then you start thinking about how God's forgiven you because of Christ. And you start thinking about how good God's been to you and how many times you probably rubbed, rubbed, rubbed God the wrong way. And you're sin dead and you turn around and you find that person and say, hey, Hey, I, I just, how are you doing today? You go back and do it. See, if we're not willing to submit to the authority of God in our life, we're never going to experience His grace, and God gives you the grace to be able to do it. See, sometimes we'll, we will say no. But remember what kind of father you serve. Remember what kind of God you have. He wants you to experience his grace daily. But it will not happen if you're too prideful to submit to his authority. 